This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We'll get back to some of the NFL draft and some other thoughts, including uh, a couple of things. I think you need to watch something tonight that you normally would never watch, and that I know you're going to watch Sunday for the Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls. And how much are you looking forward to that? Uh, might be one of the most anticipated viewings from a sports like documentary series, I think, uh, maybe ever. Uh, Tiger really King get. won't know what hit it. <laughs> yeah, right. Easy now with that. Tiger King, sorry. It's time to take a back seat. <laughs> Have you finished it yet? Uh, no, I've Good, stuck. Brad. I'm stuck, man. You're done. I'm stuck. It's I'm over, like, right? Yeah, I, I just three watched three episodes and that was it. You know what? You, you made a mistake. I don't even you learn it. from it, and it is what it is. I'm <laughs> proud of you, Brent. You probably missed the train at this point. Like it's, uh, the, I can feel like it's dying down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Waves starting to go uh, down. <laughs> Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, former Jags player, current MMA fighter, uh, and Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're hanging out with Coach James Fuller. Thanks for hanging through the break, Coach, uh, as we continue to celebrate the Jacksonville Sharks. And, you know, they've been around for now a little bit more than a decade. Won the Arena Bowl in 2011 on a last-second touchdown. Man, that was fun. Early, early success uh, for the Jacksonville Sharks, no doubt about it. Since joining the NAL now in 2017, the Sharks have a couple of championships, 2017-2019. How about this? The last three seasons in the NAL, the Sharks are 38-9. and That's a winning percentage of just over 80%. That's how good they've been. You would have been playing next week, Coach Fuller. Uh, What does your roster look like? How good are you guys? How good will you be or would you have been this season oh man we got we got a loaded roster right now um you know i think we would be in a be in a good position you know i i think we've signed some very talented players um you know with the uh arena league folding up we got a couple of their guys um we've added uh, maybe a few guys from a few other teams that were top-notch players. So we we got a good mix of guys from last year, about 60% or so, and then threw in a few all-stars from a few of other teams. So we've, we've done a fairly good job this year of really putting together a team that I think that would be successful. You know, right now we'd be actually getting ready to play our second game because um, our first game was uh, last week, would have been last week. So a little chomping at the bit right now, but, you know, it's understandable with everything going on, you know, but our guys just just want to get on the field and, and perform for our fans. Coach, I, I get the feeling talking to you, you're obviously a kind of a defensive-minded kind of guy, right? You spent some time in the NFL <laughs> playing defensive back. Uh, you played – you were uh, defensive coordinator for a little bit. Now, obviously, uh, head coach here with the Sharks. How hard is it being a defensive-minded guy in arena football? You know, it's tough. It is tough, you know, because it is, you know, fans want to see scores and, you know, light up the scoreboard and all that. So um, it is tough. But, you know, I, I I don't believe in that. You know, I just I think you can still play defense in this, you know. I mean, last year uh, we had some teams in the 30s, you know. So, I mean – it can happen. It is a tough situation. Um, you just got to be able to build your team around a couple of things, a good pass rush, a good middle player, and, and a bunch of guys who want to fly around and, and, and pay attention to details. You know, that's the big thing. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, you get on teams where guys just come from a different pedigree. Guys come from different schools and different schools – uh, teach differently, you know. We're fortunate enough to have a bunch of guys uh, from no disrespect to any other uh, 
any other divisions out there and, and colleges, but we got a bunch of SEC guys, a bunch of guys who, you know, have played big time football and, and have been coached by some very good coaches. So, you know, it does help out, you know, if you have, have players of that, that caliber, not that every team has it like that. You know, I've been on teams that, um, have been successful with with lesser talent for them same reasons because they do pay attention to details and things like that. But, you know, you surround yourself with a good staff and some good players and, and guys who want to work and, and and work hard and punch the, and 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 continue to get better each and every day and challenge each other. I think you'll you'll put a good product out there. Uh, Jacksonville Sharks head coach uh, James Fuller with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We just got this in from Matt, who's a who's a card collector. He said he says got his card. We're seeing a, a card of you with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, <laughs> we're number 22. That's good stuff right there. Matt's got to get that yeah. signed. He's got to go to a Sharks game and get that signed uh, by the head coach of the Sharks. Yeah. Now, uh, last question for you, coach, and we'll let you run. Appreciate you hanging with us here on Jacksonville yeah, Sharks sure. Day. Uh, this note from uh, Stephen Chatola there in in communications that he sent along says you coached Maine that's in Portland Maine yeah while you lived in Portland Oregon <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, this, this safer at home stuff this is no problem for you <laughs> yeah it was tough I'll be honest with you it was tough um you know uh, I, all my buddies were saying, could, you know, could you pick a further place to be? My kids are all mad at me, you know. So, no, but the good thing was, uh, the, the good thing about it was my daughter was just finishing up her senior year at Dartmouth. So I was close to her, That's cool. you know, and, and so I got to spend a lot more time with her. And, and so it, it worked out somewhat, but, yeah, it was tough, Portland to Portland. Um, did, did you go home? Probably won't. Like, how did that work? I, I, wow, how did that work? I only went home, I think I went home twice during okay. the, oh. during the year. So I did go home a few times. Um, but it was, a, you know, it was a tough, tough deal. You know, that was probably one of the toughest times I've had coaching just, you know, being so far away, but it's not easy to get to Maine, you know, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, it's not as easy as flying from, you know, Philadelphia or Jacksonville or, you know, some of the other places I coach. I know I'm in, uh, I don't know what state I'm in, but I know I'm in Portland. It feels like uh, we could write a song uh, about that. At least you were in Portland. I know, right? <laughs> hey, Coach James Fuller, thanks for taking the time, man. Happy to have you on the program, and uh, best of luck whenever you get going. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the Jacksonville Sharks. I appreciate you, and y'all stay safe now. Thank you. That's James Thank you. <laughs> A lot of fun. Uh, Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. He is a uh, Northwest guy, by the way. Went to Portland State. Same school as Julius Thomas. I feel like some others came out of Portland State and yeah. went from basketball to the NFL. Not just Julius, but maybe he is the only one. Uh, he's a native of uh, Tacoma, Washington, by the way. Coach Fuller is. Well, and, and you're thinking of Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates went to Eastern Michigan. Okay, so I that guess. wouldn't have been it. Yeah. But there are others that made the switch. Uh, those are notable yeah, oh, no, ones. Oh, no, for so. sure, for You're sure. Right. Those yeah, are yeah. notable. Oh, I'm just, sorry, he didn't go East Michigan. He went to Kent State, correct me. Yeah. He went to Kent State in Kent Ohio? State. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that. 
Yeah. Uh, that he went to Kent State. It's probably, okay. probably, probably right, right on your or national, yeah, no, right? Yeah, that would have no. been too far. It'd been yeah. about uh, maybe an hour and a half away uh, all right. um, during that time. Heck, he's played so long, it might, we might have went to college at the same time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, may, uh, maybe so. Uh, all right, a couple other things to, that that we got a lot to get to. We want to continue to talk about the Jacksonville Sharks. We'll, uh, we'll have a, a little blast from the past if you're a Sharks fan coming up in just a little bit. Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. Coming up on Sunday. I am not, admittedly, like this, oh my gosh, I love Michael Jordan guy. It's a shame, Brent. It's a great bandwagon to be on, man. It is a very good bandwagon to be on. It's a notable one, and it's filled. Mm -hmm. Uh, It certainly is. I'm looking, I love these kind of things because I can show the kids, say, hey, they don't. They know Michael Jordan because they know Michael Jordan. Everybody knows the name. Yeah. But kind of like Tiger Woods, right? We never knew Tiger Woods would come back and play. Well, Michael Jordan's not going to come back and play. He can't do that. But you can kind of relive some of it through this mm-hmm. um, and what went on with the Chicago Bulls and and that final year. And uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I love the idea of it. Man, that was a long time ago. Now talking over twenty years ago uh, that uh, Jordan won that that last championship with the Bulls. Are you fired up? I'm locked in. I'm beyond fired up, man, because Michael Jordan growing up was a huge deal to me, especially, you know, during his second stint in the NBA. You know, I mean, I'm I'm reminded because growing up in my grandparents' house, we didn't have cable, you know, so the NBA games are kind of few and far between until the playoffs started. Then you got NBC Sports, man. Then you're tuning in and you're watching Michael Jordan take on the Utah Jazz and just, you know, just following along with that, man. It was just, it was the perfect age. Um, he was just the perfect guy to follow along with. It was just, I, I remember going to school every single day after the games, talking to all my friends about it. I remember going to Nike Town in Chicago and just, you know, seeing all the Jordan things there. I got my picture taken in front of like a giant Jordan poster. I still have that. It's just, um, that guy just transcended sports. You know, like he, he was just, he was the biggest deal. And when you're in the dry, driveway or whether you're in a gym, I mean, you were Michael Jordan. You were anybody else. Yeah, cool. Carl Malone's great. Um, you know, Elijah was great and everything. Duncan was great. Uh, David Robinson was great. All those guys, Charles Barkley back then, he was great. Uh, Dominique Wilkins was great. But dude, he wasn't, there, there were no Michael Jordan. Like every kid had a pair of MJs. Every kid was rocking an MJ jersey, or at least a Chicago Bulls shirt. Like they were the team, you know? And like nowadays it's like, oh yeah, the Ravens are kind of like the hot new thing. I get that. And you know, if you want to go to baseball, I mean, the Yankees had their thing for a while. They're still pretty good for following but like the bulls in the 90s like they, they were the team brand like it was the cool thing because the cat I mean, obviously michael jordan but then you had dennis rodman scotty pippen luke longway tony kukoc uh steve kerr like their personalities and then their demeanors and you had obviously head coach phil jackson but like you could relate to anyone it didn't matter who you were it didn't matter where you grew up you could relate to somebody from that team true and then they were winning so it's easy to cheer for right what what how do you define Jordan, though? Because Jordan, to me, was he magnified a bit because of the shoes? Hmm. Was he? He's obviously magnified because of championships. Anybody is. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Brady is the GOAT because of the championships. If Tom Brady has three or four championships, we might still say, nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. Nobody was better than Joe Montana, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put or whoever, Johnny Unitas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he got five, he got six, sure, and he already is great. It has greatness, so the six put him over the top. 
if Jordan had three championships, would we still consider him in the regard that we consider him? But no question. question. By the way, it's very few players are unquestionably the best player of their sport. Mm-hmm. You know, Brady now becomes that, I guess, but I still don't even think some will truly and, and readily admit that. Tiger Woods has Jack Nichols. Yeah. You know? yep. So, I mean, Babe Ruth is Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. but he also has Hank Aaron and if you want to include the, the modern guys of Barry Bonds and everybody else, I just feel like Jordan above everybody else is just the the star of that sport, the number one. He, in essence, is kind of Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. Like, Babe Ruth will always be at the top of baseball's pedestal. And I'm not sure anybody's ever going to move Jordan from the NBA's. But would he have been that if he only got, say, three or four championships? It's a great question. To me... I still think he would have just from his personality, okay? Because here's the cool thing about basketball. Of all the team sports that you can play, the game of basketball is the one where you can take over by yourself and put the team on your back, right? Like in the sport of football, yeah, if you have a great running back, he can do his thing. But what are we talking about? We're talking about great blocks by the offensive linemen, right? We're talking about missed tackles by the defensive backs. If you're talking about basketball, man, one player can put a team on his back and be unstoppable. And that's what you got with Michael Jordan, especially when I grew up watching him, you know, during the playoff periods where it was like, yeah, Scottie Pippen, fantastic player. Tony Kukoc, Tony Kukoc hit another three-pointer. You got it. Steve Kerr, hand on the point. But when the game was on the line and it was a nail-biter, 10 times out of 10, guaranteed, you knew the ball was going to go to Michael Jordan. And you knew he was going to put the team on his back. And to me, growing up, like, you didn't see that, okay? The, the, that's the reason why every kid wanted to be like Michael Jordan, because he had the ball with that man. Like, the team was either going to win or lose, but it was because of him. So he commanded a team. We talk about guys now like, you know, King James. We talk about even Kobe Bryant. Like, Kobe Bryant was a prolific scorer, you know? And I think Braun right now, Braun is more of the guy where he can get the game-winning shot or he can facilitate for the game-winning shot and pass it to somebody else. But Michael Jordan was the guy that it was always going to be the game-winning shot for him. He was going to put the team on his back, and that's rare. You know, it's honestly, it's rare in team sports, and it's even rare in the sport of basketball, I feel like. I think the championships, the clutch nature too, but the championships really, by raising the trophies, the way they did it. And I actually also think there's one other element that made Jordan Jordan, and that is the shoes. Yeah. I mean, I really do. Like, I wonder... I mean, he was there anybody that made shoes popular before Jordan? I mean, you had Magic Johnson and Larry Bird rocking the Converse. The Converse um, commercial kind of started it, right? Yeah. But then Jordan made it cool. Correct. You know, well, even, remember, even Magic Johnson didn't make Converse cool, I, I don't think, now, yeah. in the African-American community. Sure. You know, Jordan made shoes. I mean, shoot. with, with all, Jordan made $140 shoes. Yeah. Like a thing you had to have more than for some eating dinner. But but that that was the that was the beauty of Jordan though, Brent. Right? Because remember, like the, I don't know, I can't remember if you've seen the Fab Five documentary or not. But like people gravitated towards the Fab Five because they had something new. They're rocking black socks. They're rocking these baggy shorts. These black shoes. All of a sudden, it was like something different, something you've never seen before. Michael Jordan. When Nike first had that campaign, he was getting fined every single game because he didn't wear the quote unquote you know, team shoe. 
He, he wore his own thing. He wore his own colors. And he took a penalty every single time he stepped on the Nike basketball court. That. Exactly. <laughs> but, 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 but guess what, Brent? Everybody took notice. You know, in, in the game of basketball where everyone looked the same, no one was doing anything cool, all of a sudden you have this guy with kind of like this short, kind of buzzed haircut, eventually turned into a shaved head, rocking these different colors sneakers that you never saw before. The guy was a trendsetter, man. In culture and in the style of play. Interesting. Uh, you know, I said earlier, I said I was never like this. Oh my God, I love Jordan. Yeah. Jordan, 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 Jordan. Like I am like that with Tiger. Sure. Just to let you know, like yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you know, and I'm probably more like that with LeBron. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it. I think it was more of a subconscious feeling for me is that Larry Bird was still playing mm-hmm. a lot of the Jordan years, not like this kind of documentary time, but and I never really thought because of Magic, because of Burr, uh, because of Jordan. And be, at least when I was really starting to realize things and maybe be 11, 12, 13 years old, and as much as I love Larry Bird, I never thought he really got his due. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I, I think uh, Jordan was Jordan, and, and Magic was Magic, and that smile and that personality. And then there was the Isaiah Thomas thing mm-hmm. where he said what he said about Larry Bird uh, back then. And I I just never thought Bird got his due. I actually think in hindsight now, I think Bird actually gets more due now than he might have in the present time. Because yeah. of some of those players. So it wasn't that I didn't like Jordan. It just was that I couldn't rally around him because I loved birds so much. Well, it was a weird thing, you know? And I understand that. And you got to see where I'm coming from, too, right? Like, I was on the back, back, back end of Larry Bird, right? Like, I came in the game of basketball. I watched Larry Bird. I'm like, that guy's mustache is a little too ridiculous for my like. <laughs> like, this guy is like the best shooter of all time. Look at his mustache. Why does he look like that? Why are his shorts so short? I just couldn't understand it. And... Yeah, did Larry Bird really get his credit? I'm not sure, man. Like, if Larry Bird plays in in today's NBA, oh, he's like the prolific scorer, right? Like, he's like, he's like the prolific three point shooter. He's like the Steph Curry, if you will. And I think back in that time, I mean, maybe he didn't get his just due. I think, well, I think he, he did for well, a while, by the but, way. I'm just saying yeah. Jordan started to overshadow it. But but I think you also you had Magic Johnson, who was kind of that dynamic point guard. Nobody ever saw a guy that big move no. like that before, right? Now it's like you know now it's Bron James and everything. But with Michael Jordan too. He had it all, Brent, in terms of his ability to get to the basket. Okay, like Larry Bird's style of basketball, I think it gravitated more towards just like the, the traditional game. Not saying that's wrong, because guess what? It worked out for the Celtics and Larry Bird. But then when Michael Jordan came out, man, I think that gravitated more towards the, you know the culture of like the inner cities, right? Like Absolutely. you're watching Michael Jordan these dunk contests, doing these high flying acrobatic kind of things, and it's like. Wow, man, this guy is super special. And then he's very doing little cool factor with Larry. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's dunking on people in games and everything. And that that just put basketball on a whole different level, I feel like. Well, and by the way, Tim brings this up. He says, Dr. J made the shoe thing a thing. Jordan took it to a new level. Oh, and it's a really good point because Dr. J actually is a guy you want to talk about overwhelming. Style, though, man. But, but yeah. you, before Jordan, yep. in terms of the dunks and everything else, it Dr. J... Mm-hmm. was Dr. J. Sure. And now, again, that was a little bit... I, I'm really young at that time, and Dr. J's prime, so I'm not yet. seeing that. Yeah. But I, but watching and listening to the stories, and that's a guy that doesn't get his due. Sure. There are some guys that don't get their due, uh, I think, uh, it, in terms of the landscape of the NBA. I mean, you could even bring up guys like Dominic Wilson. Pete Maravich, man. I mean, well, I mean, back, you yeah. want to talk about trendsetters and you know the sport of basketball? I mean... Absolutely. But but even in that kind of mid that era of like Clyde Drexler and and Dominique Wilkins, I mean, Mm -hmm. talk about overshadowed, you know, Uh, because it was the big three. Right. It it was Jordan and and uh, Magic and Mm -hmm. and Bird. So 
it's uh it, it's fascinating but he, that's a great point by tim because i think dr j from a cool factor really oh, made basketball sway, sway cool. was off the charts yeah. yeah yeah and, and then kind of got passed by mm-hmm. by whether it was magic in in the 80s and definitely jordan in the late 80s into the 90s mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be fascinating to watch the documentary i love that we can kind of share that with with the kids that's what i kind of like yeah. and i'm i'm interested in it too yeah but i want my kids my kids are sports fans and so i'd like them to understand and appreciate as much as possible uh the history of those games you know the the greats and they're not that you can see it and celebrate it you know we really have a hard time unless you go read a book like i gotta read a book to find out how good ted williams was sure um even Mickey Mantle. I don't. I don't get the documentaries and the, the the video is black and white and looks grainy and it's not great to see. Yeah. You got to read books for that. We get to share these kind of icons now, right out in in video and and the way people want to consume things. And so I think that's what's going to be pretty cool about this documentary. Did you ever see the Dennis Rodman documentary for ESPN Thirty for Thirty? I don't think I did. You know, I think I've seen parts of it. You want to talk about a real-life Tiger King story. Yeah. Dude, that that guy's story is one for the ages, man. It's just amazing that he was able to perform at the level he was. I think that also shows you this, how good those guys are from a talent standpoint. Yeah. You know, he had a special gift and Mm -hmm. obviously a fit Mm -hmm. on those teams. Of course. Um, But... But it makes you appreciate Phil Jackson for being able to make all that work. Right? That's true. So, That's really true. Yeah, because keep in mind, I mean, there was there was a time where Dennis Rodman was just as popular as Michael Jordan was in terms of being in the media and doing all these outlandish things. So, I mean, and that's what I'm excited for, too, is, you know, Phil Jackson's philosophy. You know, probably the, the greatest NBA coach of all time. I'm excited to see, like, what he brought to the mix. Because, I mean, I, I get it. Like, he's probably wrote, wrote books and stuff like that. I haven't read them, but I want to see if Phil's taken all this whole thing that spiraled. Well, not only that, did he have Rodman yeah. and did he have Jordan, Alpha Dog. Yeah. But somewhere in the middle of all that was Scottie Pippen. Of course. Right? Not yeah. getting his due. Speaking of overrated, I, yeah. you know, I said a guy never got his due. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thought on Jordan real quick. When I think of Michael Jordan, the athlete I think of the most is Derek Jeter. Interesting. I don't know what Derek Jeter's batting average was in clutch situations. Sure. But I feel like it was 950. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I bet Jordan, if you really break down his number, Mm -hmm. Whatever I think people have done that too, and I and I just don't know what it is. It feels like he shot ninety percent from the floor in clutch of situations. Of course, he didn't. Yeah. He missed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. remember LeBron but, was taking be a honest, beating man. early in his career because yeah. he wasn't either taking the shot yeah. or making the shot. Well, but I think when honest, they did I, those, I don't remember Jordan missing too many, but I, I don't in my mind. Though, I know, you know, but I'm saying the yeah. same thing about Jeter. Sure. When I think of clutch players, now listen, I think Big Poppy and David Ortiz was clutch for the Red Sox, absolutely. But when yeah. I think of clutch players of my generation, of watching players plays in my lifetime, Jordan, Tiger. And actually, Jeter, who does not have near the uh, accolades of those guys in terms of resume, who mm-hmm. will never go down as as great of an athlete as those two guys in their sport. Jeter is way better than an average player. I mean, he's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Yep. But he also – nobody will ever say Derek Jeter's top ten all-time in the sport of baseball. What do you say top ten? Mm-hmm. They just won't. I mean, these two guys are talking about Tiger and Jordan. They are probably the best of all time in their sport, yet I relate Jeter to them. Yeah. Uh, which that's in my mind. Uh, I don't even know who else. I, I just every time I think of Jordan, I kind of feel like I think of Jeter. 
So, you know, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, you know, for Jackie Robinson Day, I asked you, is there a bigger player that has contributed more, you know, to his sport, obviously, than Jackie Robinson? Yeah, you did. I'm asking the same question now to you, and this is in all athletics, Brent. Will we ever see another player that can contribute to such culture, um, to being obviously one of, the, if not the greatest player at his sport of all time, and just how he's perceived by the outside world? Like, I get it. You know, Bron's up there. I understand, but Bron's not Michael Jordan in terms of culture, popularity, in terms of just changing everything. Will you ever see another player be able to have the paradigm shift that Michael Jordan had? It's a really good question, and I'm going to go to my old standby. I got to believe, man, if somebody did a study on this, mm-hmm. Tiger would be right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm telling you what Tiger did for the sport on a global level and yep. continues to do. I guess because it's front and center and I lived through it and I more understood it sure. than I did probably when Jordan was. Yeah. And you're probably not wrong. I mean, Jordan probably is tops on that list. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'd have a hard time saying he's he'd had more of an impact than Tiger. Hmm. I mean, what Tiger has done for golf. If you take where golf – see, that's a little bit probably unfair to Jordan in this exercise. Yeah. Because if you take where the NBA was, when Jordan was – NBA was coming off all those great players of Dr. J all the yeah, way to Magic man. and Bird, yeah. and then he took the mantle. Now, Akeem Olajuwon was good. Yeah, if I mean, you look at when Jordan left it, mm-hmm. then it went down. Big time, mm-hmm. right? Because that was a bad moment segment, yep. five, six, seven years, whatever it was for the NBA. But if you look at what Tiger has done to the sport of golf since he entered the fray, if you it's look at how yeah. much money these guys now make, yeah. how much it changed the sport, the popularity, the TV, the everything, sure. it actually still kind of does. Yeah, I mean, in this respect, you're right on the money. Jordan created a whole generation of Jordans. Correct. The thing about it is he never had to compete against them. Tiger created a whole generation of Tigers, mm-hmm. and he's competing against them. It's not a bad point. So it's a great, great question, and I think they would be right there, and I would be hard to even hard-pressed to find anybody else in the history of sports that could equal to those two guys. I, and I say that quickly. I'm not really thinking about it. Sure. But yeah, I mean, just the impact those guys there. I mean, you're trying to get on a global scale, obviously. Yeah, but give Do me one see, soccer. I mean, was Pe- yeah. did Pele change yeah, soccer? Yeah, I, hear you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's one guy. Do, I mean, there might be, but I don't know if there is. Do we see it again? Do we see a Michael Jordan? Do we see a Tiger Woods? Do we see a guy that can come by and just change the face of sports, not only sports, but also culture? Well, I think it will be hard to do because of where sports exists in our society. Mm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to take, uh, could you take tennis and make it what it used to be? Serena and Venus. You know, could, the, uh, could yeah. you do that? But again, Serena and Venus are extremely popular, but have sure. they popularized tennis to the point where everybody's tuned in? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, could you take baseball and find a baseball player to do that and get baseball back to America's pastime? Maybe. But the growth levels of sport, I think, are so difficult yeah. that I'm not sure one person can now change that. Like you said, you mentioned the word paradigm. I don't know if anybody can change it 
with the a biggest. It's like like I kind of say sometimes about uh, I feel this way. I don't know if this is even true, but it's like if you lived in like the maybe the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and you bought a house or if you were smart with your investments. Well, now the way houses were then uh, the cost of it yeah, versus yeah. what they are now. I mean, we ever going to get to a point where houses cost like that little again so yeah. you can make that big of a jump again? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So sports doesn't feel like you can make up that much the way these guys impacted the, impacted their respective Well, and keep in mind, with sports like baseball, like, yeah, baseball is, is in need for a new push. But once again, it's like one of the ultimate team sports. Same thing with football, where you can be a star if you want. You know, you can try to be a Tom Brady, win six Super Bowls, but you have ten other guys in that huddle that you depend on. You have, you know, some other guys in that lineup that have to hit well, too, or else you're not going to win ball games. So, to me, it comes down to golf. It comes down to tennis. It comes down uh, to even basketball, because those are sports that allow you to showcase your talent and put a team on your back. You might be able to say down the road, and I don't know, and I don't think it's going to turn out this way, but in your sport of MMA, mm-hmm. one that's new and fresh and yeah. can have the growths of leaps and bounds, like a McGregor, McGregor. or somebody like well, that, yeah. or even Rousey did for a little bit on True. the women's side. True. But it didn't. It wasn't sustainable. No. Like, is McGregor going to be sustainable? So, And I know that's not as, well, it's, it's not as widely popular to the masses, Tyson Fury can make an argument, but at the end of the day, here's the problem with that, Brent. Michael Jordan lost a little bit. Didn't affect him at all. If you're Conor McGregor, if you're Tyson Fury, if you lose, man... That's right. That's that's the sport of yeah, fighting. You, to, to really put these, get in a conversation with these guys, you got to find the growth potential. Yeah. And I don't know what sports have that kind of growth potential. I really it's don't. Crazy. Uh, when we come back, Jacksonville Sharks have potential to maybe have a season... But they've shown great potential over the last decade. We talked to one of the stars, one of the best players to ever suit up for the Sharks when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Unless you could actually examine the player, I've dealt with this injury a lot over the last couple of years. It's complicated. Let's hope Tua has a great career, but no way am I taking him in the top 10. Who was that, Goose? Tannenbaum. That was Tannenbaum. Who liked That's my John right Kimball there. pick? Yeah, yeah, it's your boy. Here we go. We we see uh, things a lot alike. Let's see when that that could be dangerous. He got fired. Pick comes out though. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if you should take that with a grain of salt, considering that. A fired GM's giving you props on your draft picks. <laughs> I was waiting for those kind of responses. Yeah, I never yeah. got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we continue to celebrate the Jacksonville Sharks here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If you're just jumping in the show, something we've been doing since uh, the coronavirus pandemic hit and kind of slowed sports down. We said, well, let's celebrate the local teams. And so the Iceman, the Jumbo Shrimp earlier this week, local golf we did last week during Masters Week, Jacksonville University, University of North Florida, and today the Jacksonville Sharks. And we'll get to other teams in the area as well. Uh, This has been a lot of fun to catch up with past and present players, coaches, people with the organizations, and really give a nod to to local sports. That's what it's all about. Uh, And and these uh, teams and franchises deserve some love. Uh, The Jacksonville Sharks, by the way, have changed ownership in recent years. They've changed leagues from the Arena Football League to the Arena League to uh, the NAL now, and they've won a couple of championships in the NAL. Ownership from uh, Jeff Bushy to now Nick Forrest. Steve Curran has been a part of it since day one. Uh, so some of the names that you uh, might not always hear but also might know from the Jacksonville Sharks. And speaking of, you know this name, one of the best to ever put on a Sharks uniform. His name is Michelle Robinson. Played defense, and you play defense in the Arena League, and you have success. That must mean you're doing something right. Brent Martino, Austin Lane here to wrap up uh, another week on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? 
I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. You're still in Jacksonville. What are you doing? Tell everybody. I used to love uh, saying your name and watching you play. What you're up to these days? Man, you know, just uh, taking it one day at a time. You know, thank the good Lord I'm above ground on 10 toes. So, uh, you know, a mix between working out, um, training the youth, and actually I'm still somewhat active. I mean, with the virus going on, uh, sports has kind of came to a halt. But, uh, you know, I still got a little bit of gas in the tank, man, and I'm just kind of, you know, just enjoying it, man. It's been a part of my life for a lot of years, and I want to make sure that I get – every bit of it that I can to enjoy, you know, because we really don't have a lot of time here, man. So I want to try to get out and show what I can do for as long as possible and inspire as many people as I can along the way. Very good. That's good stuff. Uh, Good for you. Uh, Where are you from in Ohio? Um, I'm from Fostoria, Ohio. So where is that? Um, It's about 40 minutes south of Toledo, um, maybe about two hours southwest of Cleveland. Okay. So I'm kind of on that northwest tip. Yeah. Um, I'm not too far from the Michigan border. I don't really like to say that name too much. In our, our <laughs> so is, is that where, is that near Lima? Far from the Michigan border. Is that near Lima, Ohio? <laughs> yes, sir. It is. Yes, sir. It okay, is. Lima, okay. Finley. Yep, that area is very close. All right, good. I went to Ashland University, so uh, I had not heard of yep. that though. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of, uh, yep. of of that town in Ohio. But uh, uh, cool to have you on the show, and good to catch up. Give us some some memories from playing with the Sharks in the early days, especially when you guys were having a ton of success. Uh, you know the names of. You know, you, Aaron Garcia uh, played here with Jacksonville, mm-hmm. obviously one of the best to ever do it in the Arena League. Yeah, By the way, cool. we tried to get Aaron on. I don't know if I had the wrong number or if he just didn't want to talk to us, but I never got a call back. I texted him. I really, like, I came close to stalking him this week. <laughs> so it wouldn't be a first for you. <laughs> it wouldn't be a first for yeah. me. But uh, we tried to get him on, so hopefully he's doing well. But he played here in Jacksonville. But, again, you're, you're one of the best to ever put on the jersey. I mean, you were a fan favorite. Uh, what, uh, what are some of the memories for you? Oh, man, countless memories. I mean, uh, it, just to start off, it was an absolute blessing to have that opportunity, man. These, the city of Jacksonville and the fans, they welcomed us, you know, right from the get-go. Um, we didn't really have a hard time getting their support. Um, you know, obviously with, with our good play on the field, that kind of helped a lot, too. Uh, you know, Jacksonville is probably one of the tougher places to, to gain that support. You know, this is definitely a winning city, and they want to see winning right now. So, Luckily, we were able to bring that to them uh, right from the get-go. And, uh, you know, they've pretty much, they're, they're most of the memories, man. The fans, the you know, seeing them after the games and even traveling to road games. You know, you're, you're always going to see some red in the crowd in support of their team. And, uh, you know, that's probably the biggest memory that I can take from my experience with the Sharks other than, you know, the guys that I've met, um, the camaraderie and the talent that we've had come through the city. Misho, you know, you spent uh, a lot of time on different teams. What made the Jacksonville Sharks so special to play on? Why did you guys have so much, you know, winning, I, I guess, you know, in in your uh, culture? Um, uh, you, you said it, man. It, it was a culture. Um, we, we had a brand that, uh, you know, we, we kind of lived by it, you know, on and off the field. And when you get the right group of guys together, you know, that's really the only – the only mixture that can create something like that. You know, you got a, a group of guys who are actually out there for each other and not just for themselves. You know, they're, they're out there for the city. They're out there for the, the ownership. Um, I mean, it was just full circle. Everyone that was in participation was doing it for the man next to him. 
And, you know, that that's one of the key ingredients for success for any organization. I mean, you look throughout sports history, all the best teams, that's, that's one of the things that they're going to hang their hats on is just the brotherhood and the connections that you form that are going to last forever. I mean, this, this, this game is very short when you think about it. I mean, I played uh, – man, this, this is probably going to be – you know, if we get back to playing, this will be something like my 15th season altogether of, of playing football. So, wow. you know, throughout all of those years, you, you develop relationships and friendships, man, that will last in, until you're gone, you know. So the game is a very small part of it all. It's very important, but it's very small in comparison to the uh, the relationships that you're able to form, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put in, the hours of uh, film sessions and training. You know, those are the, the real key things that, that form the great teams. Michelle Robinson with us uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We continue to celebrate the Jacksonville Sharks here on a Friday on ESPN 690. And Michelle, one of the best to ever wear a Sharks uniform. Uh, last year, this <laughs> before we let you go, the I was talking to Austin in, in the break. I said, what position could kind of in arena league transfer over to the NFL easiest, you know, Kurt Warner, obviously legendary because he got a chance. There have been other guys, but few this, it's mm-hmm. a different sport. Uh, kind of like the way college is now to the NFL in some <laughs> yeah. respects, you know, it right. just feels like a different sport. And some guys go right. to the CFL. I think you did a little bit right uh, to the Canadian league, yes, sir. but yes, sir. when you go to the arena league, do you almost put the dream of the NFL away because you kind of know it's not going to translate to opportunities? Um, I, I definitely would not say that that's the case. I mean, you know, everyone's story is different. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen guys go straight from, you know, the Arena 2 level and skip past AFL and go right to the NFL, you know. so And then I've seen guys come back from the NFL to our league and then make their way back to the NFL. So it's, it's a variation of uh, – you know, of uh, stories between different players. But um, as far as translating into the game, I I would kind of compare it to, you know, it, it's like a boxer trying to convert over to the UFC, you know, where you have to change your mindset from, well, all they're going to do is punch me. Now they can kick you and they can put you in headlocks and do various martial arts moves. So it's it's taking a little bit of the knowledge you learn from the outdoor game and then incorporating it with the actual dimensions and the and the nuances of our game it, I, I definitely don't want to say that it's not possible to go from one to the other you know in any specific order it's just how much you want to learn you know how how much you're willing to learn and how much you can retain and how fast i mean yeah. in the professional sports business it's a it's a lot about how fast you, you can develop and you know that's one of the things that a lot of coaches look at um i mean it's just like going from college to the pros, you may have a great college athlete doing everything right on the college platform. Then he goes to the league and he has trouble developing the the NFL level of knowledge, you know? So it's not that his skill level doesn't qualify him. It's just how much he can retain and how fast he can retain it in order to be a successful piece in the professional business. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much the best way I can explain it, but I, I would never, try to downplay anyone's ability. Oh, you just give up on your dream because you have to play arena football. This is just a stepping stone, man. There's been guys who made it to the NFL who, you know, pretty much they get one year in college and have something bad happen. And, you know, they're still fighting for the dream and, and, and God will bless them with the right opportunity. So, you know, there's a, there's a 
number of ways that you can make it there, and there's also an equal amount of ways that you can fall off. So, you know, it's all about counting your blessings and continuing to work hard and taking advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah, very well said, man. Hey, great to catch up with you. Michelle Robinson, former Jacksonville Shark, and uh, really one of the legends here in Jacksonville to play in yeah. arena football. Uh, great to hear from you. I, I know the Sharks were happy to hear from you, too, all the fans. And uh, continued success, man. We wish you the best. Always, man. I, I Hopefully, uh, if we can get things back going. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I might be wearing some other colors, but you know, I'm really putting, putting my faith in God and hoping that everything works out for the league and for myself, too. And, and hopefully I can make that trip back down to Jacksonville and I might have to sit on the other side of the field. But I know it's going to be a lot of love in the building, man. It's always oh, love. Here in New York. Love to see that you're still getting after, man. Good luck with that. We'll keep an eye on you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Austin. You guys have a great one, man. Stay Thank safe. you, man. You too. That's Michelle Robinson. Jacksonville Sharks Day. By the way, how about this? Over the 10-year history of the franchise team has made it to the playoffs every year except the 2014 season. That's how much success they've here had yeah. here in Jacksonville. Uh, happy Jacksonville Sharks Day on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Okay, a couple of things to get to real quick. I've got something you need to watch tonight that you normally would not watch. Interesting. On a Friday. I mean, Tiger King. SmackDown, but who who's going to premiere on SmackDown tonight that I'm missing? No, we're it's not wrestling? that. Oh, nope. I, I don't know, Brent. It's the WNBA draft. Huh. The WNBA draft <laughs> okay, is now, tonight, okay. and yeah. they're doing it in a virtual fashion. Oh, okay. They're doing it, I think, on ESPN. Yeah. So how much of what we see tonight in the WNBA draft mm-hmm. – will be done on Thursday. Are we getting a little bit of a sneak peek? Aren't you interested in that? Yeah, a little bit. I just think that the NFL has a little more resources than the WNBA. So, um, you know, it could be a little different. But, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, I, I had no idea it was actually happening tonight. But, but, hey, by the way, WNBA, let's increase the marketing a little bit. Yeah. You know, let's, let's spread the word for everybody. Um, I guess I'll check it out, man. You, you made some pretty valid points. Yeah, I, I just think people will be curious about it. And, and maybe it will help the WNBA in notoriety. Yeah. I, and again, and WNBA probably not have a ton of eyeballs on this yeah. normally, yep. but people are looking for something to do. But I also, I really think it's because you might get a little sneak peek of what it could look like on Thursday. Well, I, at least that's why I'm interested. And speaking of sneak peeks, can I go ahead and see your uh, your mock draft for the, the first round for the WNBA? No. No? Good, you got one? Did you you do your annual WNBA mock draft? I was planning to do it after the show. I got you. Okay. I'll go and get with you later. Uh, Good luck uh, with uh, WNBA draft. I think... um Florida State will be represented pretty well, cool. uh, I want to say. And so we'll well, see. I, I know I, it's a Oregon's going to be represented. Yeah, with the number well. one pick, of and course. Cool. Uh, and uh, she's really good. Yeah, she's legit. <laughs> um, I want to be like Joe Buck. <laughs> Shouldn't we want to be like Joe Buck, Goose? For a million dollars, would you do it, bro? So Joe Buck, obviously, during this quarantine, was, like, play-by-playing people in their living rooms yeah, and stuff. Yeah, fantastic. And he referenced people were sending him not-safe-for-work videos. Yes, and so a porn site <laughs> offered him a million bucks. A million bucks. Play-by-play. And, well, I also see that it could be any other national or local broadcasters. Yeah. Sign us up. So we can send a tape? Yep. Are you going to do it for a million? Would you do it for a million? We... We can do it for a million. I'd do it for like five hundred. What's your What's your lowest offer? Um, hundred thousand. Hundred thousand? Yeah, I'd do it for a free membership. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Yeah, Mr. Lane, free membership, one year. Sold. Let's go. Uh, Send me the footage. Joe Buck said he'd be giving some of the money back that he already had made. Great line from Joe Buck. <laughs> nice, Joe. Uh, and uh, don't we all want to be like Crazy Joe Buck? Crazy times we're living in, though, right? Uh, it's oh. fun. It's fun. I love that Joe Buck had some fun with it, too. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Hey, hope you have a good weekend. Be safe, everybody. It'll be NFL Draft Week when we come back here on Monday. Send us your mock drafts. We'll shock the mock. Yep. Coming up next week, we'll also have some special guests for Coos and Austin Lane. I'm Brent Martineau. Happy Jacksonville Sharks Day, as well as we celebrate local sports here in the River City. And we'll see you on TV all weekend long, CBS 47 and Fox 30. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.